0: No one who's racist against black people can <laughs> stick their tongue that far down somebody's throat. I thought that was actually that actually <laughs> that is a shitty defense. It was a shitty defense. And it, was was a shitty defense yeah. and it was very much a Matthew Rodriguez thing to say yeah. and it did it absolutely made me laugh. This is Don Hall and I'm David Himmel and this is the literate ape cast.
1: Cast is not responsible for triggering your PTSD because we are warning you right now that we might. If coarse language or base stupidity from two white guys is not your jam, look elsewhere for your workout podcast.
0: Blackface. It's Black History
1: Month. Perfect time.
0: Perfect and time uh, and and we're we're hearing a lot about. All right, so there's just so many aspects. I just want to throw out a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And then we can uh, parse out. I guess Um, we've got okay. So we've got Liam Neeson,
1: who did new blackface. blackface, Did new blackface, but but walked around town looking for people with natural black faces. Forty years ago. I mean, (laughs) and this is the thing I think is so funny about getting
0: pissed off at Liam Neeson is essentially what Liam Neeson said was forty years ago. My friend was raped. She said he was black, and I was so enraged that. I went around for a week looking for a black bastard to kill. I mean, you know, and, you know, and, and so he was angry and, he, and whatever. <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh at that. I know. It's just, it's, but it's just, funny, that's but... what he said. And yeah. then, you know, but, but he also followed that up with, and then I realized how wrong that was. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I just had to, I had to figure out that revenge really isn't, that's not it. And that this is not how you feel about, and that's what he did. He basically yeah. met 40 years ago, I had terribly racist thoughts, but I don't do that anymore. I mean, that's what he said. And it was like a momentary. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, well, racist it was, it thoughts. was very, I mean, yeah, it was very, very, very specific pushed. to this thing. You know, also Mary Poppins, I'm just going to get these out. And then we Mary Poppins, uh, has now there's a, an academic has written that the, uh, what is it? Chim chimney, you know, Chimney all the, all the chimney sweeps dancing with their faces blackened. Is blackface. No. Oh, yeah, no, that's, you can look it up. But that's not blackface. I know it's not, but that's what that they're being saying. That's dirty. That's just dirty. And then, you're to, go one a step, <laughs> to go one step further, um, two weeks ago in Arizona, I don't remember that you can look it up uh, online, but there was a restaurant mm-hmm. that had been there for a very long time in this area. And it was founded in the earliest days of whatever, the West, mm-hmm. um, on coal miners. And they have in the restaurant, A series of pictures, you know, just like historical pictures. And there's a picture of a bunch of coal miners Mm -hmm. with coal all over their faces standing in front of the restaurant. And a customer decided that that was offensive because it was blackface. This has gone about as, I mean, it's it's kind of getting ridiculous where now people are, they're looking so hard for blackface, so hard for racist stuff that they're just making shit up. They're just like throwing out whatever anybody that ever had any white person in the history of white people that had a dark tan is now blackface, and it's it's a little ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it's 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 the overcorrection. It's like when you're driving and you hit ice and you start to spin out. Like if you're starting to whip the wheel every which way, that's only going to make it worse. Yeah, that's what's happening here. Blackface, not okay. No, was never okay. The thing is, even when it was quote unquote okay, like Al Jolson, right? Like minstrel shows, not okay. Not okay. But blackface is a whole lot different than being dirty because you're digging coal or cleaning a chimney. Yeah. And I'll go one and further. And if you th- think it's not, then you're fucking stupid. Well, you're a fucking
0: idiot and you need to grow up. I'll go one further. It's like, okay, so you've got this, uh, you've got this, is it the governor of Virginia or the Senator? Or-
1: oh, it's like, all of well, Virginia's I mean, no, government. But, yeah, but yes, yeah, the they're governor. All,
0: they're all fucked, but there's the, governor, the one guy that the, had a picture of him when he was in college. In and med school.
1: In, the, med in like school. 84. Okay, yeah. so,
0: you know, 40 years ago. Yep. And, uh, and he had blackface, and yes, he was standing, I think he was standing right next to somebody who was dressed as a
1: KKK member. Right, and he started by saying, I don't know that that's me. I don't remember that. I'm not sure which one is See, me. And then he came out and said, okay, yeah, that's me in blackface. See, and you know, I guess this is the thing. The thing, all right. Remember Jack Ryan?
0: Not Jack Ryan. Uh, I think that was his name. Uh, not not the Tom uh, Clancy character. Not the Tom Clancy character. He was he was running for office here in Chicago. For he's married to Jerry Ryan. Okay, you know Jerry yeah. Ryan, who's six of nine from uh, yeah. Star Trek yeah. uh, Voyager. Yep. All right. So at the time, and his. Career flayed. I don't even remember what he was running for. Yeah, I don't remember him. He was yeah. kind of a, he was a Republican, which was odd in Chicago. <laughs> That's why I um, don't remember him. And and while he was running, you know, he was he was no longer married to Jerry Ryan, and Jerry Ryan was his estranged, you know, his ex wife, and she put out that he shouldn't be elected because when or whether she put it out, it came out that while he was married to Jerry Ryan, one of the things he tr- tried to get her to do was to fuck other men, so he could watch. Okay. Okay. And when it broke, you know, he got up there and he did the same thing that this governor did, did the same thing everybody does, which is sort of equivocate and just kind of walk around it and mm-hmm. kind of double speak it and this stuff. And I, I remember I looked at a friend of mine at the time and I said, you know, I'm not a Republican. I'm not even close. But if he'd gotten up there on a, a, you know, a press conference and they said, what do you say about you know, the, the allegations that you tried to have your wife, Jerry, your at the time wife, Jerry Ryan have sex with other men so you could watch it. What's your response? So instead of equivocating, instead of walking around, if he just said, have you seen Jerry Ryan? Wouldn't you like to ha- see her have sex with other men? <laughs> Next question. I mean, if you just, yeah. you know, cause I think about it. So like, it's like, if, if, if it's like, okay, here, you know, I was in the eighties of med school, I was in blackface. It was a joke. Um, I, I haven't been in blackface since. It was a bad joke and move on. Yes, if he had owned it. Fucking own it. Just go, own it and be like yeah, I, I made a mistake. Up. I it was stupid. I was young. I did this thing and I and I and I and I would never do it again and I learned my lesson and let's move and, on. And
1: here, here and but I think more importantly is here's how I've moved on from that kind of behavior and here's how I want to move on for me and for the state of Virginia which is steeped in racist history. Yeah. Let's remember that the Confederate flag is the Virginia battle flag. I know. That's a state flag. I mean, you know, so the symbol of racism in America began in Virginia. So there's a lot of shit to parse out in Virginia. And it, this is a perfect opportunity for him to work for something to better. than the, and the conversation. He and it doesn't him, mean and like, it, he doesn't to have to it.
0: apologize for it. He did it 40
1: fucking years ago. You say, well, yeah, that was really stupid. I think he needs to apologize. I'm sorry that I made dumb mistakes he, but here's how I've gotten better. Like, yeah,
0: but, in, 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 but that's the thing is in this day and age, no apology is accepted because it's yeah. judged whether it's sincere, whether it's not sincere, whether, I mean, the thing about it is the only reason he would apologize for it 40 years ago, is somebody caught him, right? Somebody dug it up. Yeah. You know, and the difficulty that I've got is, is, and there's a number of things. Number one, I think it's stupid to dig up shit people did unless it's like I raped a woman 40 years ago. Right. And I got away with it. Or I killed a man and stuffed him in a fucking trunk yeah. 40 years ago. And I did, it. okay, that's egregious. I got it. I did something stupid or uh, thoughtless, or I hurt somebody's feelings, or I did something offensive 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Doesn't require an apology. Because it was 40 years ago, and anybody that believes you're the same person that did this offensive thing that you were 40 years ago doesn't have the self-reflecting abilities of a six-year-old. Right. Because anybody that has lived any life at all has changed over 40. I mean, if, you la- if you're if you over 40 years old, yeah. you know then you've done shit that you've probably, you know, anybody, I, I, this is in my I Believes, it was in my I Believes uh, for tomorrow, is, i, I got to remember it. It, it. I mean, it, it, the gist of it is, oh, hold on, i got to find it because it, it just kind of crawled right up my
1: ass. Well, I think the part of it is like, you know, with with, with Nixon and even like with what's going on with Trump is that it's not even, it's not always the crime or the, the thing you did wrong. It's the cover-up. It's trying to get around it. It's the yeah. way you react to getting busted, doing something wrong. Yeah,
0: uh, And if
1: you just fucking own up to it, it's usually a whole lot better.
0: Yeah, what I wrote is, I believe that eventually someone will dig up something from your past and try to destroy you with it, which means that the only people left standing will be the most boring bunch of shit stains in history. It's the idea that anybody that has been ideologically pure since the day they were fucking born that has nothing they've ever done or said
1: these are the least quality. These are the most boring fuckers ever. I made, I, did these, I made these choices 40 years ago, and I recognized they were wrong 39 years ago, and I've made moves along the way t- to do better and to learn from that and, be, and recognize these things as wrong and why they're wrong and how we can make our state better, From be better, from, move on from that I kind of behavior. I still think there's far too much apologizing. It's not apologizing though, that's just moving on. It's, it's just moving on. It's and to me, it's like you, know.
0: you get up and you say, like any adult person, yeah, that was really stupid, that was a really dumb thing that I did. And but we uh,
1: learn from our mistakes and right? I, and they better us. And,
0: and 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 I wish I hadn't done it, I did do it, I haven't done it since, not going to do it in the future. Okay, moving on.
1: Y- yes, that's yeah.
0: it. I mean, it doesn't have to be a long, I mean, understanding the, the
1: idea of optics and getting people to understand what you mean in your. Yeah, I guess if you're a pol- politician, optics you know, are kind of important. To, I you guess, have I to guess. communicate and say, "All right, well, how?" I mean, we all learn from our mistakes. Like that's the goal, yeah. right? Like, we fuck up, and then we go, "All right, well, I've learned from this." I mean, there's—we don't need to list them all, but there's probably yeah. between the two of us 400 million things we've done wrong in our lives. Oh yeah. That we've—well, I mean, hopefully we, we, learned from. And like we'll call—we'll call back to them when we hit that point again in our life at 53. Yeah. You're like, "Oh fuck," this was similar to that situation when I was 19. I fucked it up when I was 19. I've learned from that, so I'm going to handle this situation differently now. If you hadn't had that fuck up at 19, you would have fucked it up at 53. That's part of growing up. That's what growing up and evolving is. That's why the old are wise. Which is why we can look at
0: Liam Neeson and go, first of all, those people that are so outraged by Liam Neeson admitting that he was a racist shitbag 40 years ago and isn't anymore, learned his lesson, that kind of thing. Um, they weren't going to come fucking see *Cole Pursuit anyway. They don't give a shit about his movie. They didn't watch any of the Takens. They don't care. Right. So, ouch. Oh, cry me a fucking river,
1: you fucking babies. Yeah. And let's remember that Liam Neeson was in Love Actually, which is the greatest movie ever that was ever and made. And I like and, Michelle and- Rodriguez. <laughs> I, I, I
0: will say that <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez's uh, defense of Liam Neeson was pretty bad. But it made me laugh, because I don't know if you saw Widows. No. Oh, Widows he's uh, married to Vi- Vi- Viola Davis mm-hmm. in that movie. Yeah. I mean and he dies early on in the movie. I mean I good he's a fucking racist. But but there's there there are a couple scenes where they're just like tongue down each other's throat yeah. just getting at it. Yeah. And Michelle Rodriguez is uh, says no one who's racist against black people to <laughs> stick their tongue that far down somebody's throat? I thought that was actually, that actually. <laughs> that is a shitty defense. It was a shitty defense. It was, was a shitty defense yeah. and it was very much a Joe Rodriguez thing to say. Yeah. And it did, it absolutely made me laugh. Well, when we were talking about this, I made a joke. You know, maybe I could scare up a photo of somebody I know in blackface. Now, there are two things. I'm not going to, I'm not going to out the person, but I will say we did a show, uh, WDP Theater did a show in the 90s Uh, and part of the gig was that one of the characters for one scene wore blackface, you know, and it's a a tight Afro wig. And in the context of the play, it was making fun of sort of this costume. You know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't doing it there. There was no, it was showing
1: the characters how dumb, how unaware the character was was was, of American
0: history and what blackface and minstrel shows mean. It was in some ways and not nearly as egregious or as problematic as Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder, but it was a, it was, it was let's use blackface to to examine and criticize the use of blackface. Right. So ultimately, that's what it was. However, I go back, I've got pictures of that cast and one of those pictures, this actor, is in blackface. Yeah. And I and when we said that I went, oh fuck, I totally do. Yeah. And I thought, you know, without an explanation, and that explanation takes too long, yeah. it's like, wow. That's really that's for, bad. I, you know, I also thought about it, it's like, you know, but would we do it again? Yes, that's the play, and it's a funny point, and you gotta deal with it. I don't think I'd probably well, produce that play today because right. of that. Right. But also, uh, you know, at one point I did <laughs> sketchfest, this is years ago, Sketchfest <laughs> with Joe James. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's long, long time ago. It was like fifteen years ago. But it's Joe, Joe, and I did a series uh, every sketch fest. We would do another. It was Don Hall and Joe James. The first one was Don Hall locked in a room with Don Hall and Joe James for forty-five minutes or something like that yeah. effect, and it was just us being weird. Yeah. Um. And if anybody, uh, I can go back to that. if anybody had recorded that show, I guarantee you, you'd have been run out of town a long time. I ago. would. Well, because I tell you, the end of that show, I. I I will just say that Joe and I did a whole show where it was, we were going to try to basically demonstrate in the show sketches that said, this is why white guys can't do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a whole series, but to do it, we had to prove. And one of the bits was Joe coming up and basically saying, you know, I hear a lot about it, that, that black comedians get away with making fun of white people. Mm-hmm you know, and their picadillos and the way they act and their stereotypes. And a lot of, I hear a lot of people say, then why can't white actors do the same thing to black people? It's power. And then I come out and I go. You have to punch up. Well, I, I come out and I hand him a giant Afro wig. I'm wearing one too. I said, let's show you why. Yeah. White people can't do this. Right. And then we did like a five, 10 minute scene of us doing the most stereotypical black stuff. I have a picture of the two of us Wearing these giant Afro wigs in a cage, Jesus. you yeah. know, and if you saw that picture out of context, right. Does not work. It's just, we're it fucking, it does evil. not work well, yeah. you know, but going back to the, the, the first show, I didn't even think about it till this moment, the end of the show, I wrote a piece for, uh, for Joe called the evil that men do. That was the name of the piece, the evil that men do.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: And the gist of it, I wrote it. He wouldn't do the piece. <laughs> really? Well, because what it Matt Elwell, who uh, is, I think, he's not the artistic director, but he's a big development director at Comedy Sports. He was our director. And he said, go write to Joe. Go write a piece you don't think Don will feel comfortable doing to mm-hmm. push ours. And Don did the same thing. So what I wrote was, so the setup was, uh, it's it's my, uh, it's like bachelor party. And it's mm-hmm. just Joe and I at my bachelor party. It's that pathetic. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, him saying, so, you know, it's your last chance. What's, what's your big fantasy? What's the fantasy you never got now that you're getting married? What's your big fantasy? And it's like, oh, you know, two women. And he went, that's it? <laughs> well, they're like hot women. And, oh, I'm kind of disappointed. I don't even know if I want to come to your wedding as the best man. And went, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, that's a good fantasy. He goes, no, no, no. And then I wrote this really horrifying, misogynistic Sex fantasy, yeah. That and it in the way it ended kind of put a beat on it, but it, that was the point was to demonstrate the evil. Well, Joe wouldn't read it; he would not do it in front of people. Yeah. So, and I got mad because I thought that's not fair. Well, then Matt said, "Well, then why don't we flip the roles?" And I said, "We're only going to flip the roles if I get to improvise the ending." <laughs> and but they ca- talked about it. So the ending of that show was that scene, but now I'm on the side of it. And so what I would do is I would. On the L, going to the show, I would spy a woman. Uh-huh. And I go, okay, that's who I'm going to spin my fantasy about. Yeah. So I knew what she was wearing, uh-huh. you know, and all kind of, you know, what she looked like, so I had a good descriptor. And then I would start, and and then I would walk by any store as I was coming to Second City, mm-hmm. and I would notice a store. It's like a hardware store. It's like, that's the stuff that I'm going to have sex with her with. Right. You know what I mean? It's right. like, and you know, that was the... And so the <laughs> bit was, I would start spinning... <laughs> This horrible, misogynistic, mm-hmm. shitty, not rapey. I mean, it wasn't, it was never rapey. It was just, it was all consensual, but it was really as depraved yeah. and awful as I could be. And I would do this until Joe simply couldn't take it anymore. Didn't worry about the audience until Joe couldn't stomach it. Yeah. And then Joe would say, Stop. I, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't want you at my wedding. I don't, I don't know if I want to be your friend anymore. And then I'd go, But wait a minute. <laughs> Then you come in and we get a blackout and the audience thinks it's over and then the lights would come out and I would keep going. And now I'm adding Joe and how I'm taking a shit on his bald head and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) And while I'm just going, just going as depraved as I can get, Joe starts getting placards coming up and said, this has been, you know, 45 minutes locker room down hall, Joe James, directed by Matt Elwell. And the last one is he won't stop until everybody leaves. And I would sit and be as filthy as shit and grotesque, until everybody in the theater left. Yeah. And then the show was over. Yeah. If anybody had ever recorded any of that stuff, oh my God. I mean, the B2 generation would just come find me and light me fucking on fire in the street.
1: Yeah. Part of what makes comedy and art and theater, you know, they're all one and the same to a degree, is the extreme. How absurd shit can be. And yes, it might be offensive, but what is it... Pointing to. Yeah. And you mentioned Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder and Blackface. Which I think is brilliant. No it's, one's... It's uncomfortable to watch. I, think, I don't remember at the time of the movie came out brilliant. that people had a problem with it. But in the movie, th- that was the problem. Mm-hmm. Like, that was his character. He was a fucking method actor, lunatic, and everyone's like, you can't... Like, there's that black characters, like you need to fucking there's stop a, I mean part know? of it is he's in this and there's a there's a black <laughs> an actual black
0: actor who fucking busts his nuts the whole time yeah. that's kind
1: of the point of the joke, right you know I mean that right. there's commentary there and I on a similar to that to that Robert Downey jr the method actor thing years ago before this movie came out and this is they didn't steal my idea of course but <clears throat> they did when they did
0: they totally did yeah
1: because I, I was in my, I was at UNLV. I was in my uh, screenwriting one hundred and one class. You totally so stole your that's idea. That's yeah. where fucking yeah. Hollywood gets their ideas. Is UNLV's screenwriting one hundred and one class? Everybody knows that. Um, Have you seen some of the Hollywood? Uh, hits? I'm t- I know. I'm saying. I mean, I, yeah. So I had this idea for a, uh, a, a high school senior, high school theater, and this girl. She's a senior in high school, and her dad is the theater director, and she's a theater nerd. Like she is the fucking ultimate theater nerd. But she's never had the lead. She's always been the tree or the chorus or something. So but yeah. when she was the tree, she became the tree. Like she would camp out in the woods for a week and you know, she was method, you know? Yeah. So she would be a tree during the run of the show, you know, <laughs> in the eighth grade show or, you know, whatever. So she is she is going to get the lead role her senior year for the spring play. No matter what. And the play is this the scene where she the, the main character is. The, the question is like, was she raped, you know, at this party? Oh my God. So this is a terrible th- idea, but I love it. Well, you know, I, I mean, it I, makes me laugh. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Again, screenwriting you've set,
0: 101. You've really, no, but you've set up this whole like agenda and then given her an impossible proposition. To so have she to, goes yeah. out
1: then in pre- preparation to audition for the role Oh my God. to get herself raped. That's fucking, I'm not promoting rape, you know, but it's, it's this absurd idea that you, like, people will fucking do the dumbest shit. You're sending up method acting, yes. much like Tropical I'm, I'm sort of mocking method acting. Yeah, that's exactly it is. what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. And I don't remember, I, I'd have to dig it up and see, I'd, like, I'd love to find it again and read it now and see like, oh my fucking God, or maybe there's genius in there and I just need to rework it and it becomes something, I don't know. Um, but she ends up not getting the role, so she gets- Raped. Th- yeah. She gets raped, but doesn't get the role. But doesn't get the
0: get role. Because ultimately, no matter how method she is, she's still not
1: very good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that is, that's rough. So, that I is mean, a rough. So again, this never really went anywhere, you know, yeah, obviously. Yeah, but, but, but it was, yeah. But that's was, what I was playing with, was this idea of the absolute, like, taking things to the extreme fucking limits of reality and reason yeah. and human goodness, you know, yeah, well, for the, the tiniest of things. We're living in
0: fundamentalist times right now um, on both stripes. There's I mean, a lot of fundamentalism think, I mean, going on. I
1: Liam, just just to put an end cap on the Liam Neeson thing, I, I get it. Like your friend gets fucking raped or she, yeah, she was raped. No. Yeah, she was. She was raped. Yeah. That's fucking infuriating. Well, and and I get that you want to avenge her. Like I understand that need and I understand in that rage, you do dumb shit. That's the problem with rage, right? Like. Read any fucking X-Men comic where Wolverine fucking loses his shit and goes on a Berserker Rage. Yeah. He always ends up hurting somebody.
0: And and the thing you know, about it is Hulk, the idea you know? that that's toxic masculinity. Women do that too.
1: Uh, yeah. You know? I, I mean, dated one for two every, years. Everybody has the potential of losing
0: their <laughs> yeah. shit and focusing on the wrong thing. That's what losing your shit's all about. Right. That's why you try not to lose
1: your shit. And thankfully... Liam Neeson, at age 25, something who's in, in his early yeah. 20s or mid 20s, um, realized before it was too late. Oh, this is not fucking right. Yeah. And I, I mean, he did say, like, I don't care if it was a black guy or a fucking Irish guy or whoever. I would have. Yeah. I was looking for for someone to something kill. Something to yeah. express my my rage. And, on and, and you got to remember who he was you know, and yeah. where he was. But again,
0: the context doesn't matter today and all that kind of stuff. Right. But anyway, the thing about it that makes me laugh. Is I like Liam Neeson. I like most movies. I'm not going to see Cold Pursuit. Not because I because he said that, but I'm just I'm not interested in watching that movie. I'll probably watch it when TV it's on fucking or Netflix or something. Yeah, but like, you know, yeah, I mean, fine. it'll be a who gives a shit. Yeah. Um yeah, so it's I, it's it's just nuts. It's just nuts. It's it's, just, you know. it's
1: context and it's So like, you're talking about
0: creating like writing a thing. Um you know, this is tomorrow night is my last Chicago Bug House until I come back as a guest or some shit like that.
1: Right. Um <laughs> if, you know, if the uh, the host and producer will let you, exactly. You know, I know him.
0: Yeah, I do. So I'll yeah, yeah I'll you, I'll, I'll yeah. see if I can uh, get, we'll, warm my way in <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, again. <laughs> but uh, one of the things I was thinking about uh, is the idea. And you're talking about creating comedy and creating outrageous stuff. Is the concept of creating shows? And, you know, as a way to kind of, you know, sort of, I guess, promote Bug House. So if you're listening to this and you're not coming to fucking Bug House, fucking come to Bug House. Um, It's a great show. It really is. It's a great, it's a super fun show. But the idea of creating shows and watching them develop and, you know, that kind of stuff is what's the, I just wanted to see what your thoughts on that idea. Because I did what I'm, I've been reflecting on my 30 years in Chicago, like the last two months and thinking a lot about the shows that we did, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of them were pretty outrageous. I mean... That we did from... The, no, no, that, oh, that from WNP yeah. A lot yeah. of shows, I mean, we did some stuff that, you know, got New York Times coverage and and we took all over the world and that kind of stuff. But a lot, there were a lot of... I mean, we did like midnight shows uh, that were just... We pushed every envelope of offense we could. Yeah. You know, in fact, over the over the the when we did have the building for the three or four years that we had, uh, what's now the playground, um, the sign that I put up was "nothing is sacred, not even you." Yeah. And the idea being, your sensitivities are not what we're here for. You know, right. we're gonna we're gonna skewer everything we can. This is how we're gonna go, and we did. I mean, a lot of our shows were just right on the edge of tastelessness that just was like... and But then we had some brilliant and wonderful moments. But I've been kind of thinking about the concept of creating shows and then letting them go or moving on or evolving them.
1: Well, I think that if, if you're creating things just to be offensive, just to, like, poke the wound or whatever, then and I've, I've been guilty of this. I've missed the mark, and I've just, like, gone for an open wound on something, you know, in some offhanded comment that I'll make among friends or maybe on a stage maybe i mean fuck I, when i was doing stand up i don't fucking remember all of it but i think it's if, if you can create this stuff that is touching the sensitive subjects and is slaughtering the sacred cows cuz i like, fucking kill the sacred cows kill them all yeah because most of the time sacred cows don't deserve to be so, so sa- sacred yeah, you know? yeah. Like, they, they don't deserve they just, that don't designation deserve so to yeah. break them down when you when you start to break them down you will Cross the line. You will push the envelope. You will do those. And that's okay. But you've got to understand that there's, you've got to leave your sensitivity at the door when people are watching this shit. Yeah, because,
0: you know, it, it depends. It also, you know, it's like, it's like the Jerry Seinfeld, which, oh, I'm not going to do colleges because they're yeah. so PC. You know the thing is, if you're funny, you're funny. Um, if well, I mean, look at Don Rickles. If you're playing to a crowd, if you're playing to a crowd that is looking to be offended, yeah. Um you can't win, so you might as well go all the way. I mean, this, this is my perspective on it is, to me, sacred cows take a lot of form. Mm-hmm. And skewering those sacred cows, especially with creating shows, um, you have to acknowledge that the only way to skewer a sacred cow is to fucking skewer it. Yeah. And I was thinking about this uh, as I was looking through It's like what kind of shows, I know what kind of shows we were doing, you know, back in the, 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 the 90s, you know, in the early aughts, and they were really skewering Republican ideas, yeah. Christian ideas, you know, the, we really skewered that kind of stuff. Like, what, what would we be skewering today? I know we'd be skewering the woke. Yeah. Because the new sacred ideas, the ideas that are fundamentally right and wrong, good and bad, black and white, we're n- we, we just don't have any kind of ability to see how strident that these things have become is is is. Well, the and one that's
1: exactly we were talking with a couple episodes. I ago, do a we whole goddamn about... show
0: in blackface well, just so I could <laughs> fuck you. Well, you know? Yeah, I'm not auditioning for that show. No, I mean like nine, ten people in a cast all in blackface, skewering both the uncomfortable bill you know it's like i I go back to i I, then what's the point of that what do you who which what's the sacred cow you're trying to kill okay and this is i okay i'm glad you asked it's uh (laughs) it's yeah it's lenny bruce and he does he does a whole bit and it's this famous bit and everybody has some problems with it but i love where he was coming from is where he basically uses you know i mean I, i i can't paraphrase it well but, you know, basically, he just looks at it and he goes, oh, we've got a nigger here. we got a jungle bunny here. And he starts doing Yeah, and he's talking to a black guy. And it gets, I mean, it's like, holy fuck. Yeah. And then he starts, I got a kike here. I got to, you know, and he just goes through the whole thing. And his whole point, and he says his point, his whole point is it's a word. And if everybody used that word and just used it to death, then it wouldn't mean anything. Right. And that, I you know that that's 60 fucking years ago he said this yeah. and we've now come to a point where there are whole words that we are so terrified of yeah. that we are so offended by that we are so beaten up over that we've determined that no one can say these words and i'm not saying i want to say those words right. it's, not, it's, it's to me i don't think it's about like in just general discourse i don't use the n word Not because I'm afraid of what people are gonna say. I'm afraid that I'm gonna be shamed for using it. I don't use the N word because just just fucking—it's just fucking rude. It's a shitty thing to say to somebody. Yeah. You know. And so it has—it has nothing to do with my fear of public shaming, or my fear of reprisal, or that somebody's gonna beat me up, or that I'm gonna be seen a certain way. It's just that that's
1: shitty. Yeah. Well, that's how do you do it? I mean, there's like I mentioned Don Rickles a few minutes ago, Don yeah. Rickles, I don't think he ever used the N word that I, I don't know. I would, I doubt it. I've, I've, I've watched him in movies. I've watched his shit on TV. I've watched, you know, the, the, roasts. Uh, I've seen him live. I, you know, a few times. Yeah. And he goes around the room and like looks for the Chinese and the differences. Jew and the, and the, and he, he looks and for and people he that look different. Apart. He picks some people who have bad clothing. And I it's mean, funny because he's, Pulling out the stereotypes, and he's not making fun of the person because of what they are. He's making fun of the stereotypes that people put on them and mock them for. Like that's he's break. I that's think that why, he's breaking it down. Yeah, but
0: he's also a comedian of a completely different, like right. two, three generations down the line.
1: I mean, poor things, Sammy Davis Jr. used to get oh okay, my god roasted horribly yeah. for being black, for being a Jew for marrying a white girl, for having one eye, for being short. I mean, that dude could fucking, he could, (laughs) but you know, and, and, you know, and I'm sure
0: the thing about it is, and it's, it's it's one of those things we have to be careful. And I agree, I agree. We do have to be careful about, about how we make fun of people and about how we do it. It's it's one of the things I liked about the old Dean Martin roasts versus the Comedy Central roasts is if you watch the Dean Martin roasts, everybody on that dais knows each other. Yeah. And they have deep respect for one another, so they're fucking with their friends. Yeah. It's it's funny because because they know each other and they love each other. Look at these Comedy central things; they don't know each other, right. and so it's just meanness for the sake
1: of meanness. Right. And so you know, I think going, that's what it is: meanness yeah. for the sake of meanness versus meanness for the sake of being better.
0: Yeah, or, or just or just you making know? people laugh, or just or just kind of. You know, pulling, pulling the, the curtain away and looking at something, you know, like really looking at it, you know, and the thing about it was I, I just saw not too long ago, just saw a little interview with uh, Johnny Carson, mm-hmm. who is criticizing late night television using the late night television platform for political messages and you know, that kind of stuff. And Did how he come he, back
1: from the dead to talk about it? Because holy shit right now. No, you know? <laughs> he
0: was. The thing is, he was. Yeah, that's the thing. he was talking about it uh, like in his waning days, you know, oh, okay. And uh, and and you know and he made the comment after that he was off
1: the air though yeah it was after I mean, okay. he was off the air because I love just that he abandoned he, Jay and was writing for Letterman yeah yeah, yeah I know yeah and then came on Letterman show for a minute yeah yeah didn't say shit didn't sit down just came out well and it makes and me like, think it makes me think that Johnny
0: Carson would really love Jimmy Fallon but probably not love uh, Jimmy
1: Kimmel you know or Stephen Colbert which is unfortunate because. Fallon sucks.
0: Well, you know, Fallon sucks, but it's goofy fun, and that's kind of what he was saying. And I don't know if I agree with that, but I think it's an interesting perspective that, all, that yeah. you know, when you're looking at where we're at now, I wrote a long time ago, I wrote about, uh, it was a, a piece called uh, Dragging Dad, Kicking and Screaming into the New Age. Mm-hmm. And it was basically the idea that, you know, Dad's old, yeah. and he's driving the car, and now you want to drive the car, and he does. he's not ready for pronouns. Right. He's not ready for the fucking <laughs> pronouns yet. Give him a fucking break. Right. And you look at an older generation, which in this country is most people. Yeah. This is one of the issues that we're running into when it comes to millennials. I don't have a, a necessarily a big issue with millennials or even the perspective that they have. Um, but what I, what I, you know, is the recognition that the, the baby boomers are the large, there's more baby boomers than anybody and they're all fucking in their 60s. Yeah. And they are not as pliable when it comes to the ideology. They're not as pliable. It's not that they're unreasonable for the most part. It's not that they're just digging down. Some do. The
1: more you shame them, the more they dig their heels in. Right. Um, What's funny about the baby boomers, though, is that the baby boomers, you can make a strong case, and I have made a strong case, that the baby boomers fucked us up. They got us to where we are today. Sure. But the baby boomers were also the hippies. Yeah. They were the ones in the 60s fighting for change, free love and all that shit and, you know, racial well, you equality know the... and, and gender equality and all this, you know, all of this. But then there was like a hard turn where they went, we're old enough to start making money now. Reagan. See, you know? this, like there was this the, hard only, the only,
0: the only criticism I have that, that viewpoint is, um, what it reminds me of is, is like right now, the most woke, the, 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 the highly reactionary rage profiteering progressives. It's only comprised of about 8% of the population. Yeah. Hippies were like five percent of the fucking population. Most of Americans were not hippies who were not highly progressive. Most Americans were just middle. But if you look at the effect So the fact that they went, hey, let's make money isn't a
1: surprise, because that's kind of what they were doing anyway. But the effect that they had, and that, that that free love, I mean, I don't know how to like put it the civil rights free love movement. Yeah. That was a really that was really strong. It made yeah. some huge steps. But on the other side there were the other people that doubled down. Oh yeah. There were were more people that liked Vietnam than didn't.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, when you look at the country and how the country was divided up, that's why it was so fucking contentious. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh man, crazy. Well, anyway, I just want to say that, uh, yes, we definitely have a bug house tomorrow night. You'll be continuing to produce, um, and curate bug house at Haymarket here in Chicago. And April 9th will be the first, Vegas Bug House at the Bunkhouse Saloon in old Las Vegas. So uh you know, we're 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 expanding.
1: It's huge. All right, Simeon cohort. Here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. Okay. Uh my first <laughs> thing is it's a 10 Bug House tomorrow. I mean, there you go. So it's done. Yes, I just have to say, it's a great show. Um, we've got a really fun lineup. Yeah. So, I mean, good we always topics. have a fun lineup, but I'm I'm really excited for tomorrow night. It's also Don's last night in town. Uh, so, this is the final hurrah. Show starts at 7, ends usually around eight We'll be ish. there for a while. But we're going to, yeah, like I've taken the day off from work. It's on Matthias Tuesday. Day. I don't know if I'm going to drink Matthias. You're drinking. I'll it's have my at least fucking last day. You have, have at
0: least one Matthias. Because All right.
1: Matthias, but maybe, because I didn't know what Matthias was going to do to me that now first time. Now you know,
0: so you can prep. So I can,
1: see, I've learned from you my mistakes. Exactly. You and can I'm prep. adapting to that, yeah. <laughs> so. I think
0: that's very smart of you. All right, my first thing is, uh, this was in the New Yorker, um, February 11th issue, a suspense novelist's trail of deceptions. It's a really good. It's a long read by Ian Parker. Um, it's about Dan Mallory, who writes under the name A.J. Finn, um, went to number one with his debut thriller, The Woman in the Window. Basically, this it, it's fascinating because this is a guy who effectively used his own slight trauma to get into college. He's a white guy. Yeah. Um, used all of his, you know, like his mother had cancer briefly when he was a kid. Well, by the time he got to, like, professional life, she was dead. He had a tumor. I mean, and basically, he was just this extraordinary... And his favorite character in fiction was uh, the, the the talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah. Which, that's... it. <laughs> and I mean, it is fascinating to watch that there are two... Two two aspects that I think are most interesting. Number one, that a white guy using the same techniques Mm -hmm. as most of the oppressed Mm -hmm. gets way ahead. He gets fucking way ahead. And And the 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 second thing that occurred to me while reading it is, God damn it, we love nothing more than listening to about other people's therapy, their 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 trauma and their pain. We love it. You know, and it's like, what does that say about us as a society if one of the most popular things, the things that were, we are the most most fascinated, we're fascinated as a country with two things: trauma of other people, rape, uh, genocide we, fat, and serial killers. Yeah, This really puts us in a weird di- you know d- 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 dichotomy that is like we love to yep. hear about serial killers. Because we kind of all want to kill somebody but don't have the gumption. And we all really love to care about other people's fucking extraordinary pain. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know.
1: But that's my number one. When I watched Dexter, I wanted to be a serial killer so bad. I'm like, why are we fascinated by this? I could do it, I could be a normal guy. And it's just like, it was, yeah. 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 All right. So my second thing is it's a listen. Um, February 7th marked the 25 year anniversary of Jawbreaker's release of 24-Hour Revenge Therapy. Okay. So give that album a listen. It's... You love Jawbreaker. I love Jawbreaker, and that is their best album, I think. All right. Um, So
0: give it a listen. Give it a listen. My number two is also a listen. I don't know if you listen to the TED Radio Hour podcast, Mm. Um, but I do, and I actually like it a lot. There is one... Um, that came up it's it's I don't know if it's the latest episode but it's in the last couple um, called Gender Power and Fairness Um, what's really fascinating about it is I mean they basically just talk about how we've changed uh, the way we think and talk about gender discrimination with the Me Too movement but what I like the most about it is they actually interviewed Tarana Burke Mm. and she tells a story who was the founder as opposed to Melissa Milano, yeah. the founder She's of Me Too. Melissa Milano,
1: what's her name? Alyssa Milano.
0: Whatever her uh, yeah, fucking so name <laughs> is that tells you how important she is to me. Um, she was
1: in Who's the Boss,
0: man. Come on. Yeah, because I watched that shit. Yeah, I know. Wrong, sorry. Um, but Tarana <laughs> Burke is on there, and she has some really amazing things to say about uh, the Me Too movement. When she, because she, it was her hashtag. Yeah, and it was not about. White wealthy women in Hollywood. It right. was it was about black women being you know having the shit kicked out of them, yeah. and I mean that's what it was about. And it's just really good. It's really reflective. It's very intelligent, and it's and it really puts a spin on sort of the white ally me
1: too movement that that gives you a little bit. It gives you something to think about. Yeah. So my last thing is, um, so on, on my post-it note wall, I have a note written. My Prostate Can Cut Diamonds, a short story idea about, I don't know. I just think that's a funny headline. Yeah. So email me ideas about what that story should be about. Okay. Hive, let's hear what you have to say. Hive, Hive, uh, email that. We'll see if that <laughs> if You can anybody. email me at david at com. Yep. The topic is My Prostate Can Cut Diamonds. Let's hear your ideas. All right. Um, That actually was the name of an episode of... uh, I didn't
0: watch it because I didn't want to pay CBS any fucking money. Uh I didn't need another goddamn streaming service. But what I love about iTunes is eventually you can buy whole seasons of shit on iTunes. So I bought Star Trek Discovery Season 1. And I'd heard a lot of negative about it. You know, that that it's too woke... That it, you know, the Klingons were reconfigured and it was bad. That having uh, the first officer who is uh, named Michael Burnham, a woman, black woman named Michael Burnham. Like uh, some people had a big problem. Their name was fucking Michael. I, you know, it's like, okay. I was like, all right, I don't know. So I, you know, I didn't worry about it, but then it came up and I went, you know, I love fucking Star Trek. So yeah. I got to at least by this season and watch it. Right. It's fucking great. It's got, you know, I mean, you could tell that it was definitely uh, written by committee, but... <laughs> I mean, you know, because it kind of yeah. goes all over the place, but it's really well done. I really liked all the characters. Um, I enjoyed the storylines they're doing. Um, and I'm re- after, I'm really looking forward to season two where they introduce uh, Spock as a kid or as
1: a guy, and as a young guy. Is one of the titles of the episodes My Prostate and Cut Diamonds? I was just making a joke.
0: Oh. Because they always have weird titles would've for them. That would have been
1: awesome. Yeah, they have all weird... And know, then I can take that, that note down because it's been done. Because you've already done... No, yeah. no, it, it's I've already not, right but I would love Star to Trek's see now too. a Star yeah. Trek
0: Discovery, My Prostate Could Cut Diamonds. I would love to see that episode.
1: Maybe I'll write a spec script.
0: Yeah, well, it's, that's the thing is just make sure you cast Shatner in it because his prostate probably is yes. the size of a football.
1: Yeah, you know? and sharp as shit. You bet, yeah, no yeah. question, no question. All right, we'll see you at Bug House tomorrow it. night. See you at Bug yeah. Uh, you know, comment on the, the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. tell your friends about it, and yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. Yep. This has been the Literate
0: Ape Cast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on
1: literateape.com slash podcasts. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can catch them all over Chicago and online at localmotiveband.com.